Hey, survivors. Camille from Surviving the Badge. The Moscow Police Department just released the search warrant, and there's really some grisly details in there. So let's discuss that, shall we? All right. So I want to talk to you a little bit about search warrants, specifically the Idaho student murder search warrant. The search warrants are uh, regulated by the Fourth Amendment, and in the Fourth Amendment, it specifically states that you have to have a search warrant if you're going to search somebody's um, persons, homes, papers, and effects, and you have to have probable cause, and you have to specifically state what you're searching, what you're searching for, and then you have to bring it back, and it has to be sworn to and everything. So a search warrant, it's not like in the in Law and Order where you, they talk to the prosecutor and they say, hey, hey, Jimmy, uh, give, give me a search warrant, will you? In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. Okay, I'll, I'll bring you a search warrant. That's, that's not even close to how it works. So this is a great example. I downloaded it today. And think of a search warrant as three particular parts, three specific parts. The first part is the application. And in the application, it explains, and I have it right here. This is the uh, the search warrant application. And this, if like I said before, if you were uh, in a coma, this is for the residents, the Washington residents of Brian Koberger, the suspected Idaho student murderer. So... Um, this is the application and in the application of the search warrant it's where the detective who is requesting it's a request from a judge to issue a search warrant and in the application the officer the detective introduces themselves i am a detective with this agency i have jurisdiction uh the affiant because an affidavit is a sworn statement and here is where the detective uh, talks about himself, talks about the academy, he's a sworn police officer, he's been a detective for so long, he's been on these cases, major crimes, things like that. So that when the judge is reading it, they have a foundation of who is asking for the search warrant. And then it goes into the information about the case. And a lot of the search warrant application is, is if you guys have downloaded or we discussed on uh, our last uh, full-size episode, and I, I encourage you to watch that. It was, we talked about uh, motives, and before that we talked about the actual case. Uh, watch that, and uh, um, it'll, it'll fill you in on, on what happened with the case. So the detectives, they got the information on, and they, they got a cell phone, they got his car, they got some uh, a blood a blood drop from the residence where he dropped a uh, uh, had some blood on a sheath of a knife, and then they they developed him as a suspect through his car and his cell phone, and they did some cell phone search warrants, and they tracked him going by the house twelve times. They uh, um, found that he had turned his phone off. He was actually traveling to the house, turned his phone off. And then a little bit later, same time, about the time of the murders, they uh, uh, came back and turned it on. 
all that is is in here the original arrest affidavit and they uh, uh, talk about all of that and it's 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 an interesting read if you're um, I actually have my students studying r right now as to how to uh, put together a probable cause statement it's it's definitely good and then they then they add to it they add certain things such as um, where they talk about uh, blood spatter and how it's probable that during especially a knifing attack like this that blood spatter is going to end up on the suspect it's it's almost uncalled for that it wouldn't when we talk about impact spatter what does that mean impact spatter is force applied to liquid blood so i'm going to pour some of our artificial blood here into my hand and I'm gonna punch it and that's force going into a blood source. The force impacts the blood and the blood spatters. Yes, and then the blood breaks up into smaller drops. It's impact. That's one way blood gets out. You can see how it's, it's radiating out. We have some smaller stains with some directionality up to the top. What's cast off? Cast is a result of a bloody object in motion. So cast off is if I keep the blood that's on my hand and I fling my hand like that. Those larger stains are in what I would call kind of a linear fashion and they're all going, you can see the directionality, they're going up the wall. Um, they talk, talked about his shoes. They talked about the uh, spatter patterns that might be on his his blood stain and any hair. So there's a uh, there's a concept. It's called Locard's Exchange Principle, and it comes from Edmund Locard, a French uh, criminologist. And his claim was that nobody can enter a scene or leave a scene without leaving something or taking something with them. And, and so the detectives are, are using this exchange principle, the blood spatter from the attack, possible hairs, fibers from the scene, uh, hairs from the dog of one of the victims, and they're using this evidence to base and, and request the search warrant for his house. So what they're, what they're claiming, and it totally makes sense, is that this dirtbag goes in murders these four um, uh, students and there's no possible way that he comes out of there with no blood hair fiber anything so they're they're going along with this well-known well-established uh, precedent that he's gonna have blood on him and he's gonna have blood in his car and he's gonna have hence again transfer into his apartment so he picks up blood from the murder scene he it's on him then he goes in the car it's in the car and then he goes in his house and it's in his house and they also look at his his electronic devices they ask for uh any any electronic devices anything that might have that he might have used to plan this it's a it's an all-encompassing search warrant because you don't want to miss anything and you don't want to have anything lost in a suppression hearing a suppression hearing is a hearing to suppress evidence if you if the defense attorney thinks that you may have uh, unlawfully obtained something uh, through the exclusionary rule they're going to try to suppress that evidence so you want to put everything in the search warrant that you have probable cause for and a lot of, a lot of it is logical sense through the low cards exchange principle the, the idea is that he would have gotten blood on himself there therefore transferred it into his home 
so they did a search warrant also another part of the search warrant is is you have to describe in great detail the house where you're going to if you if you read it and and if you've never read or written a search warrant you'll you'll wonder why are they so descriptive on this house or the apartment actually and where the door is and where the numbers are and things like that it's because you're required to you have to be descriptive so that if somebody's never been there they know exactly where you they're you're supposed to go you don't want to go to the wrong place oh my god that is the worst thank god I've, i don't have any wood but thank god i've never been uh, executed a search warrant in the wrong house or the wrong place I've executed search warrants on um, empty storage lockers and found nothing, but luckily I've never executed a search warrant on the wrong house. Whoopsies, bad news. We don't want to do that. So we want to make sure that we have a great description of the house, as detailed description as possible. Um, we don't have a murder weapon in the uh, in the warrant. You'll notice that they, they mentioned that they do not have a murder warrant. I mean, a, a murder weapon. The and they and they continue to explain how oftentimes uh, suspects get rid of the weapon after they've committed the crime, and that makes sense. I've I've had people in commit shootings and they throw the the gun into the river or the lake, and and that that makes sense. So as I'm going through this, they uh, they talked about oh also I'm sorry I was looking at this. they did a search warrant and executed a search warrant on his. Uh, Washington University um, campus, Washington State University campus office. And a lot of that is going to be for electronics. And they think that he may have planned this ahead of time, uh, staked it out, maybe done some internet research. Um, there was a report uh, today or yesterday that says that uh, this guy reached out to one of the victims through Instagram, maybe uh, sending a message. Uh, that could be. And so one of the key parts of this search warrant is going to be electronic evidence, any in a data collection, anything GPS wise, you want to collect everything you can out of the search warrant, because for the most part, once you get the search warrant, that's it. Um, you 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 can't have another bite of the apple. Sometimes you can go back, but you want to get everything all all at once. Uh when you are dealing with a computer, you also want to put in there that you're going to take that computer and have a forensics examiner further look at it, uh, who is trained in that type of uh, uh, examination. They, um, so that's, the, that's the, the probable cause affidavit. It's a, it's a sworn statement showing the probable cause by the detective, and that is trying to convince a judge, yes, your honor, this is the crime. This person committed the crime, and there is evidence of that crime at his residence, car, business, whatever. And then when the judge agrees with the detective, they write actually the warrant. And the warrant is not a request. It's like, hey, guys, whatever you guys want to go by there. No, a warrant is an order. You will now, now that you have convinced me to go that you, this is here and this evidence is here, you will go and you will go get this evidence and bring it back and keep it in safekeeping. So the, uh, the, the search warrant is signed by the judge. The application or the probable cause affidavit is signed by the detective, sworn according to the Fourth Amendment. And the warrant lists all of the things that they are looking for. And they are they're looking for knives, sheath, other sharp tools, blood, DNA, uh, clothing that may contain um, 
marks, scars, uh, shoes, shoes that he's looking for because there was a, uh, a set of van footprints, any DNA, any trace evidence, uh, clothing that might have uh, red stains or blood on them, electronic evidence. They just they, they, they really, really do an excellent job listing all of the uh, information on, on here, electronic devices, C, uh, GPS, satellite, things like that. And so once, once they do that, once they write this up, the judge signs it, and it is an order. You will go uh, and return that stuff, and you have 10 days to do it. Most of them don't take 10 days, but they, you've got 10 days to execute this search warrant and secure the items. Now, I, I've said this a couple of times, bring it back. So the third part of the warrant is called the search warrant return or the inventory. And in a search warrant return, it's just that. You, uh, you have a list of items that you seized from the, the scene and you have to write it up. And you actually have to leave a copy of that with, I know Florida laws, you have to leave a copy of that with the house or the defendant. And you have to leave a copy of the warrant. You don't have to leave a copy of the probable cause statement, but you do have to leave a copy of the warrant and the return. So the return says this is what they've seized from the residence. They, uh, they found some uh, a black glove. They found a Walmart receipt, some uh, Marshall's receipts. They, they took his vacuum bag from his vacuum cleaner, which is very smart because if he vacuumed up um, thinking that maybe something fell off of him, if he's a criminal justice student, he knows the low cards exchange principle, which is shocking that he would do such a horrible job at it knowing the low cards exchange principle that he he transferred everything from the scene to his car to his his house everything so they uh, they took his vacuum cleaner bag they took uh, several strands of hair his fire stick tv uh animal hair one of the one of the victims had a dog so they took um animal hair from the scene they took his computer they uh took some uh, uh cuttings from of red stains they took his uh pillowcase they could took that and mattress top and bottom so they're and they 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 tested some of the red stains now the test that they talk about is a uh, castlemeyer test or a phenolphthalein test the castlemeyer test is a presumptive test for blood in which a chemical indicator called phenolphthalein is used to detect the possible presence of hemoglobin a positive reaction to the Castlemayer test is visible as a bright pink color. And what you do is you uh, put it on there and you test and you get it wet. And it will turn pink if it is blood. And it's pretty accurate. It doesn't tell you human blood or animal blood or, or whose blood, but it will tell you that it is blood. And so that's when, when they're testing it, that's, that's what they get there. So uh, that's the search warrant. I, I told you guys in a couple of uh, episodes ago that as soon as the search warrant was released, I would uh, be talking about it. Um, ask some questions. If you have any questions about uh, the search warrants, please, please let me know and comment below. Ask a question. Tell me what you think about this. Where do you think the murder weapon is? Uh, I think somewhere along, along the road, somewhere between Pullman and, and uh, Moscow, he got rid of the murder weapon before his dad came in. I hope, maybe. 
but you tell me what you think happened to the murder weapon and what's going on with this guy. Was he actually stalking these individuals? Do I own John a cigar? Which I might. You know, I've, I've been on a losing streak lately, but that's okay. Well, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep at it. While you're doing it, please uh, make sure and like and subscribe. We're trying to get 500 uh, soon, and we're, we're working that way. And I, I, we want to keep giving you great content, so like and subscribe. Also, check out all of our sponsors. And always remember, at Surviving the Badge, we still got your six.